Welcome to the journey with Mpo Podcast, a sacred space for healing, love, and rediscovering your life purpose. Introducing your host, Mpo. journey with Mpo. We are in a celebratory mood. Oh, JWM family, the show has hit 1,000 downloads. I wanted to take this time to personally thank you for not only listening to the show, but for sharing it with your friends and family. I love and appreciate you guys so much. Let's keep making magic. Sharing it with us in the studio today is the naughty vegan Mark. I to concisely describe him to you because everything about him is full of energy and life. He is the owner of a tattoo parlor and events venue. He's an organic farmer, motivational speaker, and really, I mean, really funny guy. (laughs) Just a heads up, since we have so much ground and depth to cover, this episode will be split into two parts because this gives us a great opportunity to explore what it's like being Mark. Aloha, Captain Greybeard. Welcome to the show. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Congrats <laughs> for 1,000 episodes. That's a lot, right? D- downloaded episode. Yeah. Is that surprising? You're cooler, you're cooler than you thought you would be? <laughs> I don't know. That's awesome. Think I'm cool, but I'm surprised that that many people listen, and I'm surprised with the demographics too. Oh yeah, because it shows you all of it, right? Yeah. What's the demographics? UK, Norway. Oh like wow. Tanzania. You don't even know how? Um, I have a friend in the UK. One friend. Yeah. And that's blowing There's three up. downloads. Right. And then huh. South Africa because I'm from there. From there. They better be downloaded. Yeah. I think people just like to listen to these podcasts now. It's like the next big thing. That's like Gary Vee, like we were talking about that earlier. Like auditory listening to things. People don't have time to watch stuff as much anymore. So a podcast, if you can throw something on that people can keep your attention and talk about clever, fun, witty things and relates to you or learn something, then it's perfect. Yeah. So you get enough little keywords out there that are triggers right now for people to want to listen, then that's good. On the go radio. On the go radio. Is that what this is called? I don't know. I just uh, called it that. Is on the go radio radio? I think so. <laughs> is that just radio? <laughs> we can reinvent it. That's fine. Is it safe to call Captain Greybeard your alter ego? Yeah. I, per- yeah. I perform. It's, ha- it's hard for me because I do little motivational things, but yeah. it's a different dude. Like, I just sneak into that different world of that guy and become old Captain Greybeard. I think people like a beard, too. I like a lot of the great philosophers back in the day, and the guys with the beards, they were so cool. Socrates, like, come on. I think I'm cooler with a beard. So I built my character up. Don't tell people about my character. Can you cut that out? How did such a humorous yet truth-telling character come about? Like, what were you like? You're just like, oh, Captain Greybeard, here we go. No, well, growing up, I had friends that were storytellers and even family members that were storytellers. And I, I yeah. never understood why everybody was always lying about everything. 
And then as I went through high school and college and yeah. uh, had professors and studied sociology and started learning about different things and why people were lying and reading history books that were lies. And I was like, holy crap, everybody's lying. I was like, why is everybody lying? I was like, what if we just tell the truth? Like, wouldn't that eliminate? Because ev- all it is is everybody's covering up for other people's lies with other lies. Like, there's yeah. so many lies. Yeah. No one even knows what's the truth anymore. Yeah. So I was like, I at least I'm going to talk about my own life and be as unsheltered and honest as possible. And then people relate to that because no, when people just, that's why Donald Trump is president. Like the dude came out and was saying things that other people are thinking yeah. honestly. Yeah. And it yeah. worked because no one's ever heard someone just tell the truth and just act like uh, yeah. it's him. Like regardless of what you think about him, the dude is, that's how he acts. Like, you know what I mean? He's not faking it. Yeah. Your timeline is massive. It's an impressive, like, truth canvas, I call yeah. it. You know, just tons and tons of it. And it's refreshing. It's like, okay, I can hold on to this. I can trust in this, you know, because right. it is what it is. It's told like that. Yeah. You so, don't have to doubt it. Um, yeah. And it's, I don't want it to be about my words either. I want it to be about my life. Like, you're, you're yeah. a poet. I'm not a poet. Like, my poetry is my life. Yes. So I want people to watch it, see it, be around me. And like, yeah. if someone's like, oh, yeah, but you, you do this or this, I'm like, you can go back throughout my life. And my I have character evaluations from every friend, family member, teammate, like yeah. people I work with me. But like, I'm the same person. It's yeah. just I try to be real. And I do admit that my real is based on lies sometimes. And I grow out yeah. of that. Like I'm being real in that moment, even yeah. though it's like some kind of weird social norms that I'm doing that are actually based on lies, mm-hmm. but eventually I evolve through it and then I'm still honest about all of that. So I don't know what we're doing here or where we're going <laughs> or why. I just know yeah. that it seems like if we don't lie... It's much better. It's much better. Like you can talk about... I'm not worried like any day... I don't have to worry about something popping up in an email, a, a text message, a phone call, and being like, hey, you've been busted. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's a great feeling. Yeah. Huh. It's liberating to just live your life like that, to let go of trying to build something that isn't real and just accepting what is and saying, okay, this is real. I'm pretty much bad at this and good right. at this and these are the character traits that I hate about myself and these are the character traits that I love about myself and just coming out authentically like there's something so beautiful about that and I go around recognizing that in people and I'm like you have to tell other people how you're doing this right. and this is exactly why you're here I'm like Mark has this phenomenal energy that is connecting on a human level you're doing how to human perfectly right you know most days. Yeah, most, most days. <laughs> but yeah, that's my shtick and that's what I want to do. And that's yeah. why I'm working on writing a book and I want that to be my podcast and I, yeah. all of it on how to human. And that's not coming from me. I mentioned Socrates earlier. Like Socrates, the way he used to teach was he wasn't just the teacher. He was the student. Yeah. So they would have these ideas come out and the yeah. kids, he'd be like, how, how, how could you make that work? Or what do you think about that? Mm-hmm. And everyone in the, the room would discuss it. And yeah. by getting everybody's opin- opinions and different meanings and interpretations of things, they would come up to something that even he didn't know. Yeah. So that's how I want to do it. By doing this and trying to figure out, I, I realized I didn't know how to do anything. I didn't know how to sleep right. I didn't know how to wake up and what nutrients to put in my body. I didn't know how to monitor my social media, what foods to eat, what how I should learn, how we should learn, how should mm. we should live in cities. Like I realized I didn't know anything. 
about how to be a properly functioning human in this society. So I was like, how do I do it? So I just started, okay, I'm going to figure out how to human and then start by the moment I wake up and I'm literally just every single day trying to figure out, okay, first thing I should do, second thing I should do, third thing, fourth, fifth, sixth, how to mentally do all the curveballs when you can't have it as structured as you want and realizing that that's part of it as well. So, do you think that's what school should have been about? 100%. Our our education system, I don't know how it is around the planet, but there is no way. I went down to Peru last year, and I'm watching this little community, and all these kids are running around, and they're the most well-behaved kids I've ever seen. They're wonderful. They're sweet. They're kind. And one day, we went and did an excursion. And the parents weren't with us. It was just us and the kid. And I'm like, who's watching this kid? And I was like, oh, we are. <laughs> I was like, when did this education thing where parents, a male and a female, yeah, both decide to go to work and just leave the child with some stranger to ra- raise yeah. them? And then not only that, but if you think about how education systems are set up in the uh, United States, it's like 30 people, kids in a classroom with one teacher. Those mm. kids become the teacher in that classroom. Mm. That's why it's every little thing has a bully, has the rich kid, has the athletic kid. Like, and they, they come yeah. up with their own rules, which I'm starting to realize I'm still basing my life off those rules I learned in that classroom from 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 12, 15-year-olds. Wow. The kids are the teachers, not the student. Like we need to get, we should not be putting kids yeah. in kennel training. <laughs> to it is. Why it we go like, why yeah. two parents chase this imaginary patriarchy position of you got to go work be CEO, get all this money. So now the man and the woman are both chasing the wrong one. Like the the stay-at-home yeah. wife, the mom, the mother, that should be the most valued position on the planet, which it is. We yeah. all know it. Yeah. But we don't we somehow have lost our way and we have to go back and then kids if you have a kid your kid should be with you all the time that's the way you're that's yeah. the way it goes they learn from they you. learn from you and watching adults do adult things yeah. not kids doing kid things yeah or watching one person with views you may not necessarily agree yeah. with teach your kid right it'd be like see that's yeah. why you don't do that like you live time but you don't see that in a little yeah. hierarchy of class bully and that works like the most dominating tough kid in a little class of 30 is a pretty looked up to position (laughs) okay so where were you born and what was your childhood like missouri so i'm born in southwest missouri i lived most of my life in springfield not most of my life but like 10 but i'm from a small town Mm-hmm. Mount Vernon, Missouri. Grew up in the in the country. Mm-hmm. Dysfunctional family. Uh, alcoholic father. Okay. So um, um, abuse. F- father would uh, abuse my mother. So yeah. I grew up in mass chaos, moving a lot, poor. Which is funny because that's why I related to like growing up related to rap music and all these different things because I saw music and sports as my way out because. Yes. What people might not realize is like if you're in an all-white town in a small town in Missouri, then it goes yeah. straight to socioeconomic. And when you're poor, and I was always one of the poorest, yeah, that's like I had to. I understood what people were saying, so that's why yeah. I was like, okay, man. I'm, so I was get you. made fun of and stuff, and yeah. listen to rap, and it's like, screw you guys. I'm gonna play sports and listen Maybe. to my rap and get out of here. <laughs> Pretty so, much. I liked Tupac and Biggie and 
Bone Thugs and Harmony yeah. and some of the greats, <laughs> Onyx. Yeah. I miss those days. Those guys fired me up and got me through some of the talk. The, so I've always looked up. And I don't know if we're going, why I went on a race run here, but yeah, I grew up looking up to black people. Like that was, that I understood yeah. them. They were cooler than us were in Southwest <laughs> Missouri. You know what I mean? Yeah. So my whole life, like love basketball. Yeah. And now once you get older and you see all the, the truth and the stories and the, the fight and the understand how the cities got to where they were and with the, mm-hmm. the drugs and the CIA and the prisons and everything, like, yeah, it's nuts. It is. The whole world's nuts. Not just the education system, <laughs> but the prison system. But we religion can get out of it. System. The religion system, all of it. Can you imagine all of these religions boiled down to literally like, hey, love your neighbor. Don't judge anyone. We got this, and you can evolve, and and just God, God's got your back. And somehow we've spun it around to war. Let me kill you to show yeah. you killing's bad. Yeah. We're hitting all the topics early. We came out hot. Was this on your Christian list? <laughs> Some of it. We're getting there. Let's say you're 30 years old. Mm. Why is it that you look like you're in your 20s? Have you discovered the fountain of youth? I think you can age. If I shave this beard off, I look like 10 years younger too. That's the vegan diet. I'm telling you, it's plant-based. It's lots of fruits and veggies. And White don't crack. Is that the saying? It's black don't crack. Oh, whatever. (laughs) Vegan white. Vegan white is close. But yeah, fruits, vegetables, lots of water, the good sun out here. Yes. Exercise. Vitamin D, exercise. Do lots of yoga. I feel like I have found the fountain of youth and just having friends that are super unhealthy that got caught up because I'm ex-alcoholic. So I used to drink a lot in college, party and did all the, the wild of the, yeah, yeah. So the wild girls staying up late all night, days at a time. And I have friends that still do that. Yeah. So they don't look like me, like they're, they aged a lot faster. I remember yeah. kids or teachers that were my age when I was growing up, like even my parents, and they look so much older, and I'm just, it's lifestyle choices. It is. It's positive attitude. It's with the, the eating of the meat and stuff. I just, I'm not the type of person that's a hardcore vegan that thinks that like we never ate meat. We're not 100% supposed mm-hmm. to eat meat. I know like how okay. evolution works and how the body and how we sweat and how we would have made, been made to run across Africa and mm-hmm. chase gazelles until they couldn't run. Because that's the, that's the deal with humans is we can outrun any animal on the planet. Okay. That's why we can run marathons. Like anything can outrun us in short bursts, but if we just keep running, we'll catch it because it, it can't run. It doesn't sweat right. It doesn't breathe right. It doesn't, it can't do anything. So we can just uh. run. So all we have to do is freaking, you guys ready? All right, let's go get that lion. <laughs> The lion might have got us first, but other things will eventually, a lot of them, their heart will blow up. Yeah. So I, I think we evolved from me. I just think we've evolved through it too because we've evolved to eat everything and I think eating all our resources. And no time in history where we have ate this much meat. That's refrigeration and stuff. And, and even if we did eat this mm-hmm. amount of meat, we're not moving enough. It's just being brought to us and put into us. Like if you're hunting and fishing and going and catching it and working hard and not getting an animal every day and then don't have them a freezer to put it in and just keep piling it up to where you can eat it all day, every day for every single meal. Like there's no no society that that you can't prove that any society ever lived like that. But we're doing it now with less movement. So I just think it's a good way to... Stay healthy. Yeah, stay healthy. And I definitely feel the difference. I remember when I first became vegan and I was doing Taibo, Billy Blanks. It takes about, 
I do our sessions, but in between I pause for about 10 minutes gasping for air and not being able to process and like, I'm going to die while I'm doing this. But then eventually when I started becoming vegan, I could go for an hour, 30 minutes with no breaks, no water in between. And I was like, what is going on? You know, and I'm not the kind of vegan that's like, oh, everybody must not eat meat and we've got to stop all the killing and whatever. But I'm because that, you know, puts people off you. They're like, oh, you're going to judge me. Like, I'm going to have my meat here. I'm not judging anyone. You know, pin up your nose and think you're from Britain. Not that people from Britain pin up their nose. We just (laughs) threw Britain under the bus. Sorry, Britain. I love you guys. The naughty vegan loves you. (laughs) You know, but you feel good. Yeah, I play basketball and I'm the best I've ever been at that. Like running around, I've always been a high motor guy. That's my thing. Like just out hustle everybody. And I can still do that at age 41 the same way I did at like 16, if not better. Like I'm playing with college kids here and then outdoors with 90 degrees in the hot sun, game after game after game. I can run further. I can run longer. I can run faster at age 41, almost 42. So... There's oh. definitely some kind of proof going on that I'm feeling. I don't. I get my blood tested. Everything's fine. So, I don't know what people are talking about. About like, I, who who knows? We've evolved in different places all over the planet. I just know that okay. 65% of the population, and that's true, true legit stuff, is like lactose intolerant. So that yes. means they're not made to drink cow milk, which probably I would assume you're not probably supposed to eat cow then, or it wasn't available to you. Yeah. And then I would assume like the 35 that's not, it's probably like a Northern European, like it's cold, like for survival, I would assume Mm -hmm. we ate everything we could find. Yeah. Like whatever we needed to eat, we would have ate, which is another thing. We eat like four animals, like four parts of four animals. Like we eat like a chicken, a cow, a pig and whatever, a fish or something like that. Like back in the day, we would have ate like a hundred animals. I'm sure we wouldn't have probably turned stuff away. Like it would have been any little to big creature snails lions uh, lions birds eggs grubs like all of it and we're not eating any of that we're just Mm. and then get the whole pharmaceutical aspect of that like 70 percent of all pharmaceuticals goes into the animal agriculture industry because they're so sick because they're so piled in there and stuff and they're breeding them so fast like just a bunch of stuff that I think you can bypass. It's like quitting drinking. When I quit drinking, I eliminated like five other bad habits. Yeah. So I was like, if I don't supply this industry that's doing these things, then I'm going to cut into a, cut, cut a couple things out. It's kind of so. with my hair. We'll get more into that. But Hawaii is sacred land. Some are called here and others come running. What brought you here? Google. <laughs> I I lost everything in 2008 when the housing market crashed in the, okay. the Midwest. When we hit the recession. I had a, a tanning salon, which that's funny. And now I have a tattoo place, so I'm just punishing people's skin for some reason. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> but so I, I, I literally was Googling and researching, like, where's the happiest, healthiest, best place to live on the planet? What place can survive a poor economy if it happens again? Doesn't just rely on the American dollar seasonal affective disorder growing up in Missouri every year when it's cold and dreary we all put on like 10 15 pounds we start drinking more partying more like yeah. it's when it's gray and cloudy outside that's a, that affects you yeah. so this is sunshine and it's work like rainbows, rainbows and sunshine 
and you're talking about it being sacred line that's crazy like Mauna Kea and stuff going on too yeah. which I, I try to get people to understand that like my final gift to Hawaii would be A try to ho- help it right now yeah. get it back to where we get it into the hands of the Hawaiians mm-hmm. food sovereignty programs to where this island can take care of itself people yes. can feed themselves here grow food yeah. and, and this type of situation is actually happening here where farmers and farms and the the local culture are getting together and they're growing yeah. foods and they're sharing it and like in Waimanalo I love Nalo the restaurant they have a farm yes. there and they're going out and they're letting people come from Waimanalo work on the farm when you work on the farm for a certain amount of time certain amount of hours you're allowed yeah. to take this much food with you oh. so they're coming they're working they're yes. gathering they're losing weight, they're outdoors, they're seeing their own food, they're feeling what that's like because yeah. we have a total disconnect with our food now. Yeah. So these people are starting to see where everything's coming from, they're mm-hmm. losing weight, they're going home, they're seeing their family, their families are seeing the results and it's pyramid like it's like a pyramid scheme but yes. good stuff. Yes. So that's food sovereignty. Grow our own. Like Feel good. You can grow all your own food right here. You don't need a farm. You can do it on your house. I sell tower gardens, which is an amazing little thing that that it's inside the back of the, the Good Vibe Center. That oh, yes. tower I've that just grows. That. Okay, yeah, yeah, it holds like 52 different plants, and it has a little LED light on it. And it's oh. like gets light like 20 hours a day and produces 30% more food, 30% faster. It's like $2.98 a month to for those LED lights to run. Okay. And you just fill it up with water and put the nutrients in the base and that's it. And it just grows food so fast. And they're starting to put those in inner cities. Yeah, yeah. They're putting them on roofs of places. They've just passed a grant here and they got a loan uh, or they just got a grant for $25,000 to make an outdoor farm because mm-hmm. they can go outside. Yeah. They're putting them like in Detroit. They're putting them in airports like the Chicago O'Hare Airport airport like has a huge farmer's market slash tower garden farm in the middle of it and it supplies the restaurants with all their Uh food so like if we had one of those in chinatown and i don't know what space but you could go around all the restaurants and all those restaurants could grow their food out of those in with no gas no trucks having to bring them back Mm -hmm. and forth like so could you grow a variety of plants simultaneously in one of yeah those? you can grow all Sorry. sorts of stuff like yeah. i could grow watermelon that grow down and are on the floor different things you can spruce it has okay. like almost different zones so you can grow like smaller bigger larger mm-hmm. all the way down mm-hmm. christmas tree style and just load it up and that's just one and the one you can make them keep going higher yeah so you can just go all the way up. So you can imagine a place with like a little hydraulic lift or something. Yeah. Just go into a huge five-story building that's a hundred, whatever size of a football field. It could just be piled with food. I think I saw it at Kahuku Farms. That's what they're doing with their lettuce. Yeah. But with it gets it hydrofoam. The, yeah. yeah. It's aeroponic, hydroponic. Because yeah. a guy that created it grew up, he was a little kid and he went to uh, Epcot Center. I don't know, if, is that Disneyland or Disney mm-hmm. World in Los Angeles? Okay. And like fell in love with it. And I, I guess it's like a futuristic type place. So they're doing hydroponics, aeroponic type things there. And so okay. he went back and worked there and like became one of their top engineers. And then while he was there, he created his own little hydroponic system. And that's this. And it's just like blowing up and going around because you can put it in. We're talking about seasonal affective disorder, stuff like that. Yeah. Because we've lost touch with knowing how to can and vegetables and have yeah. all these things. So that's been working. And they're getting it in all over the world and places that. Oh. And it shows them going into these inner cities with kids that don't, they don't know 
where these fruits and vegetables come from they've never even seen them because yeah. a lot of people don't realize that a lot of inner cities have food deserts where it's fast. If you go to a, a suburb or a nicer community, they have laws where you can't have this many fast food places or this many 7-Elevens or stuff I like that. that kind of place in my life. Yeah. So don't go to those places. <laughs> but in some inner cities, that's all they have. Yeah. So they're just getting fed junk food all constantly. Time. Yeah. So if you can go in there with this and they're taking these to schools, kids have never even seen a tomato like, they know ketchup. They don't yeah. know tomato. Like, yeah. because and they've never seen it. So, showing them that, and they're showing them how to grow it, and yeah. then they're seeing it. They're feeling the same thing as the people in Waimanalo. Like, they've sent a sense of pride yeah, with yeah. growing your own thing and then eating it. They're showing them how to cook recipes. Mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest thing on this planet is the number one cure for everything is if we could get back to understanding where our food came from. Mm. But with grocery stores, grocery stores came in, and it was such a good idea and yeah. it was able for the mom to go work and the dad could work and then you could come home and have a TV dinner or something. Yeah. But then that led to all the processed foods, preservatives, trash. Yeah. Like the center aisle of a grocery store, the center aisles is like where people get 70% of their groceries and it's all processed stuff that's mostly not even real food. That's Monsanto. That's all these big corporations spraying yeah. it. Like, it's not good. And then the outside, the stuff we should be eating is all non-organic. It's, we're not farming it right. We're not, we're doing mm-hmm. monocrops, like all these different things. Like, the grocery store and refrigeration. I was like, if we got rid of grocery stores and refrigeration, imagine if we didn't have refrigeration, you'd have to eat fresh food all the time. Because you, you, it couldn't go bad. Yeah. So you would just use local organic farmer fresh stuff. It couldn't get here from other islands, countries, states, nothing. Yeah. You would know exactly. And it would always be eating seasonal. And that's Ayurveda. Like Ayurveda yeah. talks a lot about eating What's food. What's in season. Yeah. Because it's a yeah. multivitamin for our bodies, for everything. And as humans, after like in Hawaii, like after seven years, we're a completely brand new human. So okay. everything on me is new cells, new everything. Yeah. So my body, I should only be eating stuff that is from this environment yeah, yeah. here in Hawaii. So I should be eating whatever fruit, vegetables, mm-hmm. poi, whatever it is, mm-hmm. and then eat that here because it's going to help me with my hydration, with everything. We should be getting the most of our moisture and water from our foods, like fresh I was going to say pineapple, but I don't think pineapple is actually from Hawaii. I think that was brought in by somebody else. <laughs> yeah. But mangoes, papayas, yeah. the things that grow here, like, and, and what's in season? Like, it'd be great. And yeah. you're getting a fresh multivitamin of food year-round that's adjusting to the different climates and stuff mm-hmm. the same way we are. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? That's once you study essential oils and plants and stuff, and you're like, oh, yeah, I've got dry skin. Okay, well, what kind of plant or thing... Survives in a climate that would be work with that, and you can learn to start mixing them and living in tune with the earth as opposed to against it. Yeah, living the truth. It's the truth. You know what I mean. So, what does kindness mean to you? Kindness. That's like, I don't. Man, wow. Kindness. I want to be kind to everybody and I'm not and I'm sometimes not even kind to myself so that's Mm -hmm. the thing I really had to dive in and really look at like that's even with how I eat and everything how I walk how I step like Mm I went up on the how to human thing it's like I I don't walk right I've hurt my ankles playing sports so like I walk with my feet out Mm -hmm. so I went and worked at this guy I was at a Buddhist temple and he was teaching a a lesson what 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 is the 
martial art that Buddhists do, this guy does? Was it? I forgot. Dang it. But There's quite a few. Yeah. Tai Chi. Tai, tai Chi. But he was talking about like standing and feet and our no one ever thinks about their foot and how they their bones in their feet and taking care of their f- feet and like properly walking and walking took tai chi for three years walking gentle on the earth and all this stuff and how that's the first thing that's hitting these solid concrete roads and and sidewalks and stuff and i'm not even thinking twice about my feet yeah. so i like was like i have to be kind to my feet and then my thoughts, like my thoughts yeah. get, can get dark and ramble. And obviously, if you go back through some of this podcast, but yeah, kindness is like just love. I feel like love for everything. Mm-hmm. Like I don't judge anyone. This veganism thing, it really ignites something in other people that fires them up and makes them angry. But I just don't feel anger because I can see the pain in every single person's eyes, whether you're a a murderer or in a gang, whatever, I can almost fast forward or go backwards through your life and see what happened to make you get there. And it's pain. And you're not happy. You're not any better. Like if you come at me and try to kill me or ruin my life, it's not going to make you any happier. You're going to get repercussions from that. Karma's going to get you. Like, so I just try to love everyone and everything and because i don't even know exactly what's right and what's wrong i think i do but i don't 100 percent know so who knows the beauty of it all yeah coming into an acceptance and understanding yourself you begin to realize how you're simultaneously wrong and right like yeah. you don't have any real judgment of what should be and what shouldn't be right that it's all happening yeah. simultaneously all the time 100 percent. it's like i think about like what what if we didn't have disease and we didn't have war and we didn't have these things like the way the if we didn't have like extreme poverty like imagine if three more billion people just stepped out of extreme poverty into like middle class how fast that would annihilate the planet you know what Mm -hmm. i mean even though it's a good thing yeah it would it could actually kill everybody so unless we learn to get rid of materialism and consumerism and those types of things before yeah. we can get everybody at least on a financial part, yeah. Hopefully someday we just do away with money and go back to where we really don't even need money. <laughs> you have just, my mom with that comment. She's like, get rid of the money, all of it. Just like, what do we truly need? You know what I mean? Like they yeah. have, they go around, they find cultures that are in the middle of the Amazon that have never even had human contact, and they test them, and they are happier than we are. Like they, yeah. you need shelter, you need security, you need love, like a sense of uh, what, what association with another group of people. Yeah. Like loneliness is not good, but like okay. just a little group of humans living together. You all work as one little cohesive unit. You need some food, you figure it out. Mm-hmm. Someone's sick. You're all raising the kids together. You all have the knowledge. The elders are looked up to because they're the the oldest. They're the oldest computer or whatever. They have got the most info, so they know yeah, yeah. more to eat. Little tricks and trades of how to tie certain knots and stuff, certain yeah. storms come that haven't been through or whatever, cold. Yeah. Like they know tricks from 20 years ago and like just becomes a cohesive little unit just working about survival. It's like Hawaiians when they, when the, 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 the whites <laughs> came here, <laughs> the Hawaiians wouldn't work. And yeah. because why? Like, I don't know what they would offer them, like a dollar a day. Hey, you can come work on Dole and help us plant some pineapples. And like, yeah. uh, 
we have everything we need. Like, why, why do we need a dollar? Yeah. Like, what am I going to do with a dollar? Yeah. Like, we've got water. We've got food. We've got land. We've got shelter. We've got culture. We've got love. We have mm. everything we need. Yeah. But then they went and found other places that would. And then that's how we have so many different races here. People yeah. came here for the work. So there's a book I'm interested in reading, Lessons for the 21st Century. The guy who wrote it, I forget his name, it's not coming to me, Yogin, Yuga, something with the Y. But he talks about how if you were to give a chimpanzee a dollar, they right. wouldn't know what to do with right. it. They're like, I'm not giving you my banana for yeah. a piece of paper. Right. Like, it doesn't make sense. But it's all these fictional stories, right? Yeah, like the value of money is in the fictional story that humans have been given, that this is... right value and Work I can give it. you this right. and you can get this with it and but it's not real like you can't give it to an animal and an animal understand okay right. here's a hundred bucks go buy some hay or a credit card <laughs> like what's on a credit card or even in the recession it's like some people the, the value of people's homes whatever like in Missouri it'd be like your, your house is worth 200,000 and then the next day it's worth a hundred and then yeah. a month later it's worth 300 and you're like wait what just what do you mean? Yeah, what just happened? Yeah, like the economy, like the economy. Oh, we've lost all this money. The stock market. Like, what's the stock market? I don't even yeah. get that. Like, that's just a big right. casino <laughs> that's imaginarily one day worth something and then not the next. And, like, you can have a fully functioning great company and it just collapses overnight. Yeah. Or takes off overnight. Yeah. And nothing really changed. Mm. Like, it's weird. <laughs> Okay, Mark, thank you so much for spending some time with us. We continued this in part two. Do you want them to do anything while they wait for part two? Yeah, I say while they wait for part two, they research Sober October and get and get motivated and try something out. Be, be Look at their lives, be, be honest with yourself, look in the mirror and be like, what's one thing I know for sure, whether it's too many hours on social media, too many alcoholic drinks at night, too much fast food, too many cigarettes, too much something, be honest, negative thoughts, whatever, and find something you want to work on and work on it in October and see if... It works out. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Okay, guys, there you have it. That is it for part one. Catch us in part two where we dive more into being Mark. In the meantime, I'm going to encourage you guys to be a little naughty and get onto his Instagram page that is the underscore naughty underscore vegan mark Harmon. until then we will see you guys in part two aloha